Today, our first bonus episode to end out the new year. We have a regular episode, which hopefully you guys listen to, but today is a special bonus episode. I want to take you behind the scenes of Dead Rabbit Radio. We're not going to talk about any conspiracy theories, so I hope that doesn't disappoint you on this bonus episode. Today, we're going to take a look at the origin of Dead Rabbit Radio. A little self-indulgent, probably, but I think it's cool. I would want to know this if I was a listener of a podcast. We're going to talk about my favorite episodes, my least favorite episode, the time when the show was almost blinked out of existence, and we're going to talk about just the amazing journey that we have all taken together today on the bonus episode New Year's Eve special of Dead Rabbit Radio. A massive volcano eruption... Can't make that sound funny. But anyways, a volcano is erupting in Guatemala. Scientists discovered that animals are talking to themselves, and we have yet another greatest horror movie ever coming out. I'm Jason Carpenter, and this is The 14th Family. Okay, so, unfortunately, we have another volcano erupting right now on the planet Earth. I think everyone's heard about the Hawaiian uh, volcano erupting. I don't know why I'm laughing. This is such a tragic story. But um, we're having this volcano also erupting down in South America. Hey, everyone, welcome back to a bonus episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. This might be a regular thing. I don't know. It might be something that I do at the end of each year. So, first off, I mean, this is going to kind of should go without saying, and it might sound a little schmaltzy, but thank you. Thank you, guys, for listening to this show. You have no idea what this show has become for me. It really was started on a lark. But when I look back on it, I go, I think my whole life I was preparing to do this show. Every little thing that kind of fell into place. All of the equipment that I have, the music that I have, all of the research I've done over the decades. I feel like my whole life I didn't know it, but I was preparing to do this show. So let's go back to this summer. Actually, let's go back a little farther than that. So I've said before that I used to be a musician. When I was a musician, I built my own studio in my apartment. And at that time, I bought this mic that I'm using, the Neumann TLM-103. It's a very expensive mic. What happened was my car got stolen. Right from my apartment. It wasn't like in my apartment, but it was in my apartment parking lot. My car got stolen. It was fully insured. So when they gave me the money for the car, I took the bus and just used the, what was it, two dollars $3,000 to buy this microphone and build a studio in my apartment. At that time, I was also working with another local musician. And the all the instrumentals, sometimes I'll use like... Um, royalty-free music, but the main song, Atlantis Attacks, and the outro song, which is called Bella Royale, I actually purchased from him. It was a work-for-hire thing where we basically sat down in his studio, and he put them out, and I paid him $250, and I got the total rights for all of this music. At the time, I was using it for both my music project and, little-known fact, back in 2006, 2007, I did have a podcast 
And I remember doing the podcast back then. It was about seven episodes long, but I didn't remember the name of it. It actually was Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit is a name I've used a lot over the years. It was actually a fictional character I created when I was 15 years old. He was a superhero who was unkillable. And then whenever I pick up an art project or something like that, I still like that name. So I'd constantly use the name Dead Rabbit, now we're just Dead Rabbit Radio. But I still have those six, seven episodes, and I may release them at some point. But So I purchased the music from my friend, and I've been using it off and on throughout the years for different projects. But the reason why I tell you that story is, one, a lot of you guys really like the music. I love that music. I love that intro-outro music. And I have a ton more stuff from this guy. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because, fun fact, the name that he produced under back then was hilarious at the time, quite tragic now. He went by the name Dr. Huxtable, with three X's. So yes, Dr. Huxtable with three X's is was his name. He obviously, I, I think he was just kind of going through that, using that name with the projects that we were working on. But that is the origin of those intro songs. So I purchased them from him. We worked on it together and I purchased the total rights from him. And then I just kind of held on to him over the years. And when I was getting ready to record the show, I said, you know what? I'm going to go through the songs that I actually own. I don't want to get into any problems with the copyright. I'm going to go into the songs that I actually legally own and see if I have something that'll fit this show. And really, Atlantis Attacks was my first choice. It's just this really dark, kind of cool, somber song. Has a lot of energy. The sirens at the beginning, stuff like that. Doesn't go by Dr. Huxtable anymore, though. But that is the name that I credit him by. So, that's the origin of the song. But now we're back in the year 2018. And like I said, I had this expensive mic sitting around. I had this whole library of music that I own. I had a, a drive to do another podcast. The earlier podcast was more weird news, but a lot of political stuff. So I have to listen to it and see how cringy it is because it was like 15 years ago. But And I thought about doing a podcast for a long, long time. And I listened to a lot of podcasts and I wasn't doing anything. I was very, very unfulfilled in my daily life. I was, previous to this, I've had a ton of jobs and a bunch of wild experiences. I used to be a telephone psychic. I used to work, had a summer job at a morgue. But I've also worked more mundane jobs, a lot of retail stuff. But previous to me starting the podcast, I was actually working as an author as well. I had my retail job, then I was writing as well. And it was middlingly successful, and it was taking me a long time to finish individual projects. I enjoyed it, but I remember once I told my mom, I said, the only time I'm really happy in life is when I finish something. I'm never really happy with the process. And I just wasn't happy in general for a couple years. I was doing theater, and that was fun, and I'd be hanging out with my friends, and I'd work, and but I, was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't depressed, but I just wasn't happy. I felt very, very unfulfilled. I'm a project guy. I like doing projects, and for the first time in a long time, I had, didn't have any projects. Like, the theater was just such a short-term thing. And, you know, I could. it's funny because I always viewed myself in that time period of myself being quite lazy. But once I started doing the podcast, friends of mine were like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. You're, you're really inventive. Like, you're a really hardworking guy. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that you're able to do a daily podcast. It doesn't shock me at all. But my view of myself was that I was very lazy. Because I wasn't getting a lot of stuff done. There was a couple different versions of the podcast in the beginning. I was going to do a podcast called Manifesto. 
And you can actually hear two episodes of that. I think it's episodes five and six, where I talk about uh, Stephen King killed John Lennon, which I love that conspiracy theory. And that was actually one of the origins. So I'm sitting, I remember once I discovered, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was either Sofa King podcast or those conspiracy guys. They made an offhand remark about Stephen King killing John Lennon. And they laughed and they moved on to the next topic. And I thought that was hilarious. And I went home and I found this guy's website, Stephen Lightfoot's website. And I spent that entire night just reading pages and just laughing really loud because it was just, it was kind of sad too, because he obviously, there's some stuff going on. But I remember going to work the next day and I was listening to a podcast and I thought, all I want to do really is hear more of his ramblings. Like, I really wish there was a podcast that was just crazy people's manifestos. So I thought, Jason, you have the gear. Why don't you do a podcast called Manifesto? And I thought about it for a while and I ended up doing a film project with some people. It should be coming out soon. I'll let you guys know when that comes out. It's a short film. I was a monster. I was a monster man in that. It was really awesome. It was really awesome to be on a film set. But they came over to do some audio dubbing where I had to make monster noises, dog noises. Anyways, it was great. It was a great experience. And they used my microphone. And I said, this is perfect because now I can test my gear to make sure that it works. And it did. So I said, you know what? I'm going to buy another component and I'm going to give Manifesto a shot. So I recorded the two John Lennon episodes, and I edited them, and I sat back and thought, I can't do this every week. There's no way I can dwell in madness, because I was going to do crazy people's web stuff, suicide letters, (laughs) and um, literal manifestos, like Elliot Rogers' manifesto, which I remember reading that, and it was so engrossing. It was like a novel. like It was just madness. I actually have one other episode of Manifesto that I'm trying to find a place for. I recorded and it's completely produced and it's just sitting on my hard drive. And it's the, it's the same thing. It's a manifesto about a guy who went off on this mass killing spree. But I thought, I can't do this every week. This is very, very dark. Like, imagine spending all your free time just reading the rantings of Mad Men, which isn't far from what the show's become. But I was doing a dramatic reading. So I kind of had to get into the character, get into the heads of these people. But I still wanted to do a podcast. So I came up with the idea that... As a writer, because I was still had my foot in the writing circle. Is that something you put your foot in? I had still my foot in the writing pool of water. I started thinking, what if I did short horror stories? Something along the lines of lore. But lore is kind of more real-based. I wanted to write, write and produce short audio stories each week. I've already talked about Sofa King podcasts, those conspiracy guys. Those are great conspiracy podcasts. Mysterious Universe was what got me into podcasting in the beginning, back when I did that podcast back in like 2007, 2008. Mysterious Universe is the granddaddy of all crazy, kooky, ghost podcasts. They get a million downloads an episode. So that's the, the those are the guys that I'm looking at saying, I want to be up there. I want to be up there. No disrespect to them. They're great. But I mean, like, that's my goal. Because I know the audience level is that high. But... So I was I was listening to this podcast called War Alive. War Alive. It's a zombie podcast. It's an audio drama. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. And so I recommend that one highly as well. It's like forty or sixty hours long at this point. It's a ton, and it tells a story from beginning to end. It's one of the best zombie stories. I rank it in the top five zombie stories of all time. So you can check out War Alive as well. But I thought I could do something like that, and maybe not with that level of production value, but I could consistently turn out little short horror stories. I'm always thinking of this crazy stuff. And I thought, okay, here's the gimmick. 
it's going to be called Listener Mail, and each episode is you're going to hear the ending of a podcast. And then I go, oh, I just got an email from a listener. And then you listen to the short story, and then that's the end. And it would be building this overarching narrative of this podcaster who's getting drawn into this dark world. And that should sound familiar to some of you because I actually did release, did end up trying to do listener mail later on in the series. And I may revisit that. It wasn't incredibly successful. And I think it kind of impacted the credibility because then you have to question, well, wait a second, even though this is called listener mail, it's kind of in this podcast feed. So if I do it again, I'm going to have it as a separate show, but they're still up there. I haven't touched them. But at the time, I'm thinking, that's a good good, good idea. It's like the Magnus Archives, which is another great short horror podcast. Magnus Ar- Archives is great. So I'm getting all this inspiration from all these podcasts that I really, really enjoy. And I was, try- I was, ma- I was talking to these other writers that I know, and I was uh, you know, writing out story ideas and prepping stuff, and I was getting all this stuff together. And I realized, and this is a real common problem with people trying to start projects, they spend more time planning the project than doing the project. And it had been months since I recorded the episodes of Manifesto. I was still just going home, sitting down, playing Killing Floor 2, playing Team Fortress 2, playing Saints Row 3 for the eighth time, watching the same YouTube videos, watching the same movie, not watching the same YouTube videos, but the same YouTube channel. I was just still just consuming stuff, and I wasn't fulfilled. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, one of these days, I'm going to start this podcast. And I was just, just wasn't happy. Wasn't happy with where my life was at. And then Fireflies happened. So what is Fireflies? Fireflies is the song by Owl City. And it's kind of a pop band. I think they're from Canada. They have kind of a weird vibe to them. It might just be one guy for all I know. But anyways, it's this song that is very cheery and happy and hopeful. But I was just walking to the store to go grocery shopping, and it just came up on random on my phone. And I listened to Fireflies, and it inspired me. It sounds so cheesy, but it inspired me. I said, you know what? I'm going to record my podcast tonight. Now, that being said, there's a hundred times where I talk to young artists or even old artists. And you start to get inspired, or you inspire them, and they go, you know what, I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to start my project. And then you go home, and you're like, oh, but I need to clean my kitchen first, and then got to watch this show I've been waiting on. And then you put it off for one more day, and it gets, it just keeps getting put off. And I know that well enough, being an artistic person, that I'm like, I'm going to start my book today, and then I never write it. So I remember walking, and I was like, I'm going to start my podcast tonight. I'm going to record the first episode, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm going to record it tonight. And I listened to that song on repeat for a mile and a half to keep that energy up. And this is what my plan was as I was walking home. I still wanted to do listener mail. I said, but what if, just to get a practice of the microphone, just to really get an idea of how the process is, because you edited audio back when you were a musician. And like I said, all of these skills I've developed over the course of my lifetime, they're coming into play now. And I'm thinking, you you know how to do this stuff. Go home, just record something. And then for listener mail, you'll just clip out the last three minutes of it and then tag your horror story onto the ending. So it is almost like a real podcast had been played. And then you just take out the last couple of minutes and then you add the scary story onto the end. At this point, the title of listener mail had changed to the 14th family. Now, that's why you'll hear the first couple episodes of Dead Rabbit Radio are entitled The 14th Family. 
So I walk home. I put my groceries away because I'm not going to let my cheese spoil. I mean, like I said, you don't want to get distracted. I sat down, plugged my microphone in and recorded the first episode. Just from news articles that I had kind of been aware of that I had read earlier in the day or maybe the day before. It was the volcano story, which is so weird because the podcast starts off with me being like, horrible deaths by volcanoes. And I start laughing. Now, again, all that stuff in my head was going to get taken out at some point. But once I started recording, I was thinking, this, this is kind of working. This is kind of working. The episode, that's one of the reasons why the episode is super short. I think it's like clocks in around 15, 19 minutes. I don't think I say at any point that this is a daily podcast or anything like that. It's just me recording it to kind of get a feel for it. And it was so important because what happened was I recorded that one and I sat back. I talked about volcanoes. I talked about animals talking to each other. And then I watched a movie trailer on a podcast. That's how poorly planned it was started. And I sat down and thought, this works. I'm going to do this again tomorrow. And I recorded the next episode the next day. Now, I could have said in the beginning it was a daily podcast. I'm not entirely for sure, but that wasn't my original intention. My original intention was the short horror story thing. But when I... And I really like episode one. It's funny because for a while there, I hated it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it because when I was in episode 30 or 40, I was much better with the mic. The shows were far better edited. And I would see people finding the podcast and they were downloading episode one. And I'm like, no, download the latest episode. But that's just, now that we're so far ahead, people don't really go back that far. Some people will go back and listen to the newest episode. And then they'll listen to a couple episodes back. And then I'll see them go back and go one through, you know, 132. I'll see these massive download spikes. But yeah, I recorded that and thought this works. I would listen to this podcast. As I was editing it, I thought I would listen to this podcast. And I kind of got that feeling while I was talking about it, too. I was like, I enjoy daily product more so than weekly or monthly product. I enjoy getting something new each day. So that was how that started, was a song and a plan that I completely ditched. I didn't sit and, and come up with the format so much. I didn't have any notes in front of me. I had a couple, and I think on that one, you can, that one, I didn't edit out any of my breathing for the first couple episodes. And the original idea was just record it live, just record it. And then as I got further on, I was like, that's kind of sloppy. Like you can edit out your breaths and you can, you know, edit out your sniffles. But that was that. And then we moved on to the second episode and the third episode and so on and so forth. The reason why I used the name 14th Family and I ended up changing it, and I think this is interesting if you ever think about doing any sort of projects online. The 14th Family was this idea. It was part of this overarching narrative with the short stories. So you have the Illuminati. You have the idea of the Illuminati. And then people who are really researching the Illuminati, they don't use that term. Illuminati is kind of a pleb filter, honestly. Like, if you're talking to a conspiracy theorist and they're calling it the Illuminati, other conspiracy theorists generally know that this person hasn't really done their research. Conspiracy theorists don't refer to the Illuminati, for the most part. They refer to the 13 families. And there's a difference. And you'll see people talk about... And, I, I mean, again, let me back up here. It's, it's still nonsense. It's still utter nonsense. But, you know, people will talk about Illuminati when they talk about Katy Perry videos, but then you'll meet other conspiracy theorists, researchers, and they'll use the term 13 families, and you're like, okay, this person has done more research than just watching YouTube videos. 
again, it's still all nonsense. But anyway, so apparently the idea is, is that there's 13 families that rule the world. My story idea was you have 13 families that rule the world, but in their charter to eliminate disputes between the families that could cause these huge world catastrophes, if there's 13 families that rule the world and one of them doesn't like the other one and starts committing little crimes against them or trying to weaken their power base, that could cause a huge global catastrophe. So in the charter of the 13 families, when it was established, I'm making all this up, by the way. I don't want you to think that I actually believe this, but this was the narrative hook for the show. You have the 13 families, and when they assembled to control the fate of the world, they set something in motion called the 14th family. It was a family that basically had no real power, but was the internal police force of the 13 families, of the Illuminati in common vernacular. So basically you would have a police force that investigated crimes against other Illuminati members, other members of the 13 families. That was the concept of the show. A podcaster starts getting emails. His email address is mistaken for the email address of a agent of the 14th family. So he starts getting these emails showing, saying, hey, we need your assistance. This political figure has been replaced by a clone. Hey, we need your assistance. This biological weapon is turning people into zombies. And the podcaster's completely overwhelmed and like, what? I'm just trying to record a podcast about talking animals and watching movie trailers. And I'm getting these emails that's throwing me into a world of intrigue. I think it's an interesting concept. The drawback would be, one, that would be a weekly show. I wouldn't be able to create enough content to make that daily, really. And two, I was thinking, in hindsight, I was like, you know, if I got writer's block or something like that, I'm totally screwed. Or if the story gets too expansive and new listeners kind of get lost in the mythology, that's a problem as well. It may be something I do in the future. I think it's an intriguing idea to basically have an ordinary person swept up into this world of, High-level politicians and rich world leaders, I guess that's the same thing, but you know, like the wealthy and the powerful, and you have this ordinary person sent in, and they have the ability to police these people, so they just can't be taken out. I think it's an interesting story idea, but the first couple episodes are called The 14th Family because I was going with that, but after about episode six, six or seven, I thought, here's the problems with this, and this is where we get into the idea of if you're doing any sort of creative project or really any project that involves the internet the problem with the name the 14th family is number one the domain name this is going to get nerdy for a second but i think this is important because a lot of people have asked me about podcast starting their own podcast the 14th family what is the domain name for that is it the 14th family is it 14th family is it 14th family is it 14th spelled out family logically you would have to buy every single variation of that domain name and then whatever someone picked, they would use. But it's overcomplicating things. And I talked to a couple of my friends. I started focus group stuff. Once I realized that the show was going to be different, once I was like, this is going to be a daily news show, news in air quotes, I go, what do you think of the 14th family? And one of my friends goes, it sounds religious. It sounds like a religious group. And it's interesting because people will kind of hear stuff and that can turn people off. So I started again kind of talking to my friends and I said, these are the names that I could possibly call the show. I had a couple of them. One, I said, we stick with the 14th family. One of them was Weird News Daily, which oddly enough is available as a .com. At least it was back in July. Weird News Daily. And the other one was Dead Rabbit Radio. Because like I said, I've had a lot of luck with the name Dead Rabbit over the years. I'm actually the first person to ever copyright that name. 
or trademark it. Now, uh, when I used it, when I started it, nobody used it. Now there's a ton of people who use that name. But anyways, I already owned the domain name to deadrabbit.com. So I had all of these assets in place. I had this music. I had this website. I wore this domain name. And people were like, Weird News Daily sounds really cheesy. And there was a couple other things kind of thrown out, like Tales from the Beyond or something like that. And I was like, nah, nah. And I finally just went with my gut. And I said, let's do Dead Rabbit Radio. I, I, let me, I hope this is intriguing. I hope that you guys find this intriguing. Maybe you guys just like the sound of my voice. I don't know. But I like, I think this, I personally, again, like this story. Because I think, I think it's helpful to other people trying to start projects. If you listen to this podcast and you're like, whoa, 133 episodes, this guy must have really had it dialed in. Like, he must have prepped for, no, I just walked home one day and recorded the first episode. And sometimes that's what we have to do. But the important part was then I recorded the second episode and the third episode and so on and so forth. So you can go home and write the first chapter of your book or, and go home and get your art supplies ready, but you have to use them consistently. And that's why I, I hope I'm not wasting your time. I think it's an important story for people involved in any sort of project, artistic or not, that the people we're like, whoa, this guy, I don't think anyone thinks I have my stuff together, but I think people think, may think that this, this show took way more process than it actually did. And it started off and we had a couple listeners and it was a lot of my friends. It's really hard to get a podcast off the ground. So I was putting up flyers. I was telling people about the podcast. I'd, and I people would discover the podcast because I started noticing we were getting, you know, first we start off with maybe seven downloads and then we had six downloads. The next episode, it just kind of went on and on. And everyone kept downloading the first episode and then you would see this drop off as we got, you know, everyone would download the first one, a couple of people would download the second one, so on and so forth. But I just kept putting episodes out. We got to episode 11. So technically, this is the second week of the podcast. And to me, I felt like I was putting in an extraordinary amount of effort into the show. Even though I had just been working really 11 days on it. But I was going at it full bore. And I thought, I need to get my audience bigger. Now, this is the point where I took a big gamble on the show. And on my personal life. I thought, you know what? There is one group of people that I know exactly where they're at. And they love paranormal conspiracy. Oh, and let me go back. The reason why I picked paranormal conspiracy and true crime, I talked a little bit about it. I think they kind of intersect. But I also felt it gave me a huge range to kind of swing across. I end up doing like weird science stories and like medical delusions and stuff like that. Like it gives me a wide enough swath. I do wish I could get more paranormal stuff. But a lot of times I'll find a paranormal story and then I'm like, yeah, this this isn't real. This, this isn't real. Conspiracies, you can always kind of say this may be real, this isn't real, and true crimes, you're like, this is absolutely real. But paranormal, I'll read a story and I'll be like, oh, this is really good, and then I get to the ending and I'm like, this is 100% fake. 100% fake. So I'm trying to find a good, they're harder to find than conspiracies and true crimes. Paranormal stories that are creepy and really, really compelling are actually hard to find because most of it's like a ghost walking down the hallway or some nonsense like that. I had my show. I was starting to take clips of it and put it on YouTube. And I was like, I know where these guys are. They're really into this stuff. However, this could go really, really, really bad for me. And, and that was the website 4chan. Specifically, the Paranormal Board, X. Now, 4chan has a well-deserved reputation of just trashing people. And I had been on 4chan off and on since probably, I don't know, 2009. But... I would go there every once in a while because just the information flow is so intense. Like you're constant. Like if you go to a paranormal board there, 
you're constantly getting new articles and people are commenting and things like that. Spent a lot of time on 4chan. It's a good thing, especially like the movie boards and stuff. I'd go to movie fitness and the paranormal board. And I thought, okay, I got this YouTube clip. It's from the Conspiracy Iceberg. I know they've always had questions about the Conspiracy Iceberg. I've had questions about the Conspiracy Iceberg. I'm going to put this on 4chan. Knowing full well that on my podcast I use my full name. I use my, uh, I tell, say where I live. I live in Hood River. And I remember posting it, and it was kind of late at night, and I had a little bit of interactions with some people. And I remember I went to bed and I thought, okay, this is either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. Because I didn't know what I was going to wake up to. I could wake up to being called every name in the book and my YouTube channel getting just downvoted forever and, you know, everyone just trashing me. Or people could be like, whoa, this is what I want out of a YouTube channel. So I woke up the next morning. And this was really, I think, a harbinger of the future of the podcast. I woke up the next morning. And there were some negative comments. And a lot of positive comments. But the most important thing that came out of that 4chan post. The next morning I woke up and I'm scrolling through all the stuff. And I'm responding. I, I, I try to be really good at responding to stuff. And... I'm scrolling through and there is a 4chan post, just the only text on it said enhanced graphics. And it was the brand new Dead Rabbit logo, the red and black bunny head with the third eye. And I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. Because originally I had a graphic that I had drawn and then shipped to sent to Fiverr. And I had a guy do it as a vector. And then I had to do a little more adjustments to it. So I don't have any artistic ability. So it was like a circle and like this bunny rabbit and things like that. And Ash Black was the 4chan user who created it. And I I was absolutely blown away. He ended up hitting me up on... uh, He ended up emailing me with more files, different sizes and different resolutions and things like that. And I was just blown away. He's like, yeah, I was listening to your podcast and I decided to design this for you. And I was like, this this show can actually work. That that image from Ash Black made me think there is an audience for this show beyond me and my friends. The fact that someone could listen to the podcast and then just draw something up and say, here you go. You can use it. You can use it for whatever you want. I'm just a fan of the show. I thought this works. We're 11 episodes in and it works. And I was just elated. And Ash Black is amazing. I wonder if he still listens to the show, honestly. I still uh, I, I still follow him on Twitter. And he's a good guy. And we've interacted a bit online. And a very, very smart kid. But I was like, this this is going to work. This is going to work. Okay. So, I got... The, it's basically the origin story of the beginnings of Dead Rabbit Radio. Now, I do have to say, we also had... The, the Ash Black's logo is amazing later on in the run we had another piece of art come in from grant scott which is the dead rabbit design i call it as above thanks again grant scott and thanks ash black i don't know if i said that in this podcast um i just recently ordered a shirt and a sticker from the merch store because i wanted to see the quality of it so i'll be getting those early in january and if everything goes according to plan merch store will be open late january early february And so we had Grant Scott's design, which is just this amazing, esoteric, creepy Dead Rabbit poster that we use. We have the Ash Black logo that's just so pure. 
I've gotten other art, too. I've gotten a little sketch drawings. I, I got one from a listener named Roberto. I got one from a listener named Birdie. Just little sketches. I always appreciate that. You can just see... Roberto was actually a Photoshop, but I mean, you can just... You know, people are kind of in their spare time creating stuff for the show, which I find absolutely humbling. Humbling. They put more work into that than I put into the standard episode. So, I mean, it's it's quite humbling. But, okay, so now we're to the part that you wanted to get to. Favorite episodes, least favorite episode, and the controversy. Controversy, yeah, yeah. So first off, I'm going to say, so I had three, I love most of the shows because I just pretty much started, I just maybe a couple weeks ago started to re-listen to it from episode one. I hadn't heard the show. I'd listened to it a couple times while I was editing it and then would just throw it out there. I'd say for me, probably my most entertaining episode, the episode that I've listened to the most so this isn't my favorite episode, but it's the episode I've listened to the most times. And I really just listened to one particular segment of it, which is the second story. And you guys are going to hate me for it, but it's episode 61. Are the Transformer movies a subversive take on America's values? I laugh so hard to this day every time I listen to that episode. If I'm ever feeling a little down, that's my favorite episode. The reason why is because I do love the Transformer movies. It's such a bizarre theory and even listening to it i can hear the the madness in my own voice because i both like i'm it's funny because i listen to it and i'm getting a little angry because i'm realizing how bizarre those movies are and what a psychopath optimus prime is the concept of that theory was michael bay was taking a subversive swipe at the united states politics and the united states military because optimus prime is supposed to be the symbol of america and he's a raging lunatic in all five movies i love that episode i love just i it might sound a little again self-indulgent to listen to your own voice but it is part of the process i think it's made the podcast much better since i started listening to early episodes we're getting to that in a second but for me, the funniest episode for me personally is Are the Transformer Movies a Subversive Take on America's Values? It's episode 61. One episode that a lot of people have... So that's my, I think, my funniest episode. One episode that a lot of people thought was really funny was... And, and this was a real... Could have been a real, like, swing and a miss. I remember when I was editing this, I'm like, Ugh, this may not work. Episode 122, Thomas Dick and the 22 Trillion Alien Theory. That was the one that featured Mungo. Thomas Dick's dad, Mungo Dick. And I remember when I would research that episode, I was laughing so hard that there was a human on the planet Earth named Mungo Dick. And when I was getting ready to record it, I thought I should make a joke about his dad being named Mungo Dick. And I had this slight idea in my head of, again, kind of this hulking figure in the background. But as the episode went on, I just made this... The story itself is is kind of intriguing the christian philosopher who believes their life is full of 20 the galaxy's full of 22 trillion living creatures but i just kept bringing mungo back to raise havoc in that episode and i remember editing it and i'm like this sounds really really stupid like i was laughing but i was like ooh this couldn't go this this could be jumping the shark mungo really could be jumping the shark but a lot of people really like that episode people are asking for mungo to come back i don't want to overuse him but you know he'll probably be back Three favorite episodes. Top three favorite episodes. In no particular order, because I just can't pick them. Episode 95, Operation Plate. Operation Plate, Bigger Than Roswell. That was an episode that I got contacted by a listener in Brazil. And they said, 
I know some information about a super, super obscure UFO story, and I'm going to tell you about it. And so we're in episode 95, and I thought, dude, this is like X-Files. Like, that was the first time the show, to me, felt like it was growing super organically. Like, I had someone who I'd never met before. I had a, a good audience at the point, but I had a listener who contacted me and was giving me all this information about this super obscure UFO story. And it was even hard to find stuff. I, I, As I'm talking to him, I begin looking online to verify what he's saying, and everything was matching up. But even the sources online were, or, were quite minimal. And I remember that was the episode. I really liked that episode. I actually had to cut out a ton of stuff to get it under a half hour. A lot of, there's a lot of crazy stuff that went on down there. I really recommend you guys looking into Operation Plate. A lot of stuff. Yeah, that was the episode where I was like, dude, this this is this job can be really intriguing. It's not all just about a lot. Of, most of it is just me sitting on my computer and looking up articles. But I was like, we've reached a point now where I'm getting inform, I'm getting outsider information. Got a lot of story requests, and I 100% appreciate every story request because it makes my job so much simpler. It's it's actually kind of difficult to just scour the internet looking for weird stuff. When people say, hey, do you want to cover this? Makes it so much easier for me. And I know that I have at least one person interested in it. But Operation Plate, episode 95, that's one of my top three episodes. And that's the story itself was intriguing. I thought it was a really tightly edited episode. And just the fa- the story of how it came to me. I enjoyed all of that. The other two favorite episodes were actually back-to-back. And I think that it set the stage for what's to come with Dead Rabbit Radio. Because they're super recent. Episode 115 and episode 116. Episode 115, The Vampire Sex Cult of Yerba Buena. And episode 116, Monkeys Don't Exist. I think, I remember when I got done recording The Vampires of Yerba Buena. I think The Vampires of Yerba Buena may actually be one of the best stories that we've covered on Dead Rabbit Radio. Because it covers all three topics. Conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime. We have a vampire cult. We have real-life murders. Vampire is the paranormal, the cults, the conspiracy. And it was a story I just kind of stumbled across. I was on Reddit. Today I learned and I saw it. And there's, again, just like Operation Plate, I like the stories that are very, very obscure. I think there was maybe three articles I could find on this thing. Someone from the area hit me up on YouTube and said, I live in this area and I never heard this story. I think it was the perfect blend of... See, Operation Plate, I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't crack any jokes during it. I really love that story. I couldn't crack any jokes in it. It felt very somber because it was just these people being plagued. I'm sure I could have found a joke or two in there, but I, I Operation Plate, I do my true crime episodes. They're a little more serious, and Operation Plate kind of fell into that category. With Vampires of Yerba Buena, I just went all out. I just said, you know what? I remember, and this was what was important. I created that fictional character... And I said, he's going to narrate us through this story because it's kind of this. I could have just reported a straight true crime type of story. And I was like, no, I'm going to create this fictional guy. He's going to set it up. I recorded the whole episode. I'm cracking these jokes. I thought it was so funny when I was editing it. But at the ending, I go, there's something missing. There's something missing from the ending. And that's when I added in Roberto's being saved from the vampires by the Carpenter Copter and all of that. Carpenter Copter, I'm so people... People get upset when the Carpenter Copter does not show up in an episode. I'm like, I've just kind of threw that out there and it's become this thing, which is awesome. I love it. But again, I don't want to overuse it or the Jason Jalopy or anything like that. So, and then the next episode, 
monkeys don't exist. I remember thinking, man, Yerba Buena was the best episode that I've ever done on Dead Rabbit Radio. It was a tight episode. It was funny. It was compelling. It was, it was, that's the peak of Dead Rabbit. So when I had to do the next episode, which was Monkeys Don't Exist, that's when we talk about Hans and his theory that men are women and women are men and monkeys don't exist and volcanoes aren't real and all that stuff. I started recording it and I'm basically just reading off facts. I like reading off all the stuff he doesn't believe and reading off a couple of his quotes. And I remember sitting there and going, this isn't working at all. This is, this is not working at all. So I deleted all that stuff. I started recording it again, and I fell into the same trap. One of the things I realized is that I used to take no notes, and then I started taking super detailed notes. And the more notes I have, the stiffer the story. The more notes that I have to keep looking back to, it's less compelling. So I've actually started getting not taking such compelling notes and just kind of have to going off memory. Yeah, I'm getting some facts wrong, but it flows better. There's stories that I listen to and I'm like, I, I can tell I took too many notes on that story. I can tell I keep looking over at the text and see what it is. Anyways, I tried doing the Hans thing again. Still didn't work. I was like, this isn't good. And I remember sitting there for a while and I thought, you can't, this episode cannot be the follow-up to Yerba Buena. You gotta figure out something. And I sat there and I, I just let the mic run for a while as I just sat quietly and I said, I'm just, what if Hans, what if Hans just showed up? Like, what would the conversation be if you met this guy? And that's when I created Hans coming into your bedroom and him telling you all this stuff. And I I was like, this, this works. And I think the reason why that's one of my favorite episodes is because that was such a huge obstacle. And I was able to overcome it. Because I was like, again, this could... If this doesn't work... If, I, if Yerba Buena is the peak of Dead Rabbit Radio and it's not going to get any better... Where do I go from here? So it was almost like just having... I'll do better episodes in the future than both those episodes. But for me, it was super important. And I had a lot of stories that were nothing but facts. And I was like, I don't know how to tell this in a compelling way. And once I created that character of that conspiracy theorist sitting down and talking to you like a crazy meth head. Not saying that Hans does meth. But you know what I mean? Like Just like a lunatic sitting in your house talking to you. Bam Margera's Afterlife, which I just released on Friday, that was an episode that I had for a month. And I'm like, it's just it's just crazy facts about what type of car he was driving and how fast he was going. Like, none of this is compelling stuff. And then once I did the Hans story, I was like, this opens up doors. Now I can have not Hans, but his reoccurring brother Franz can show up to tell us these crazier stories that are just like unrelated madness that there'd be no other way to really get across. So Hans was the birth of Franz and Yerba Buena was really where I was like, this show, there's, it just, Yerba Buena to me, I think is the tightest episode of the series. Now let's talk about the, I'll say the fucking worst episode that I ever recorded. I almost quit. It was almost the end of dead rabbit radio. I was so, I was like, I'm done. I hate it. I've referenced it before. I've never exactly said what episode it was. I've said in previous podcasts, I'm like, the worst episode, I my most hated episode. It was episode 18, so super early on. Now, most podcasts only last three to seven episodes. And so when I was sitting around episode 11, episode 12, I was like, oh man, I'm doing way better than, you know, like 50% of all podcasts. But... Most podcasts only do something once a week. So basically, most podcasts only last three to seven weeks. Episode 18, I would have been on week three. 
and I recorded the episode Hobbit Hooligans. It was it had it was two stories. It was the Despair Code, which was fitting for how I was feeling, and is Lord of the Rings based on real life? And I remember hating that episode so much that I have a hard time. I think I've only re-listened to that episode a single time, if that. Like, I edited it, and even when I was listening back to the episodes, I don't think I finished that one. It is... The Despair Code, I sound like I'm complete in, in, in utter despair when I'm talking about it. I remember talking about it and thinking, I don't really have any idea what I'm talking about. That's what was going through my head. It was weird, because... Normally, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm able to use that energy to counterbalance that. Where I may not have all the facts, but I think that it comes across an entertaining way. That you're like, oh, he doesn't know when ladders were invented? Well, you know. He doesn't know that Skull and Bones is Yale, not Harvard? Eh, you know, it's still an entertaining story. I get the get the, the setup. I get the setup for Dead Rabbit Radio. But I remember I was recording Dead Rabbit, I was recording Despair Code. And as I'm recording it, I'm thinking, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I'm trying to talk about this serious metaphysical subject. And I don't know what I'm doing. And I have no experience in this. And I have experience in like positive thinking and negative thinking can affect you. But I'm talking about like this topic that a lot of people want to know. I'm getting to, I'm getting like despair just talking about it. And then. I was like, okay, well, I'm done with that. And then I did the Lord of the Rings based on real life. And that's that episode is so poorly edited that you hear me reference stuff. The episode, I remember recording it. It was probably like, it took me maybe an hour to record it. I cut out a half hour of stuff. I've learned better now. If I'm looking at the recording and I'm at like 50 minutes, I'll, sometimes I'll just stop it and then just restart the story from the beginning. Because I'm like, there's no way I can edit 20 minutes out of this story. Just start that story over again, make it 10 minutes long, and you're good. I remember recording it, and I'm watching the timer go up, and it's so dense and so stupid. The stuff that this guy was saying was actually making me mad that he was ripping people off. I was getting super emotional. I was going on and on. I was listing facts, which, again, wasn't something I really learned how to deal with until way later. And when I went to edit it, I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing the show anymore. Because if I'm on episode 18 and I can't d- handle this, then I just am going to quit. You had a good run. You got 18 episodes in. I listened to it back, like I said, when I was listening to epi- started episode one. And when I got to it, I could hear me. I made it. So he thought that the Irish people were the, supposed to be the hobbits. And in the original version, I explained that more, but in the version that is actually aired, like, I cut out the beginning, so I just make an offhand remark saying, oh, and Irish people are hobbits? Oh, it drives me nuts. That almost, episode almost made me quit. I wonder what the follow-up episode was to that. Let me take a look. I've never actually remembered what that was. What episode saved the show? I probably tried to do something light after that. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. That was the one where I said it was the one where is autism the evolutionary next step? And I quoted a friend and she's like, I never said that. I never said that at all. I was like, well, you kind of she's like, no, no, I didn't. I was telling you that there was this article about it and you made it sound like I believed in it. But anyways, let's talk about the controversy. I haven't addressed this before. One thing I've learned the hard way and I'm learning it right now with the Kevin Spacey episode that I just did, is the podcast audience is different than the YouTube audience. The podcast audience are people who have sought out the show, tried it out, and either are listening to one particular episode or have listened to all of them. The YouTube audience are people who Google Kevin Spacey video and my 
video pops up. The Kevin Spacey, my video on Kevin Spacey drinking from the mug, I felt it was fairly measured. I was like, he could either be an egotist, he could be kind of deluded and not really understand what he's doing. It could be some sort of Illuminati symbol, but I think it's the first two. And that was kind of my response to that video. I was just covering it because it was a weird thing. YouTube has been flooded with comments saying that he's part of Petawood and he's trying to blackmail Prince Andrew and just on and on and on and on and all this stuff. And comments from people saying, you idiot, he's just pretending to be Frank Underwood and it's people like you who believe in every conspiracy theory. So I'm like stuck in the middle. I'm like, no, I'm not really sick. I'm just, one, I know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the Illuminati pedophile thing. So I get that they're upset with me, but then the people who are like, no, he's just an actor. Why do you think he's raping kids with reptiles? I'm like, I never said that. Hey man, they're giving me my views, but it's really bizarre. So people on the podcast, they're like, oh, you know, we listen, we've listened at least, you know, to this episode or 10 episodes or 100 episodes or whatever. And I, then you have the dedicated YouTube audience that does watch every episode. And they're like, oh, you know, Jason's just given a measured response to a weird story. The end. But I have learned, like, when I did the North Sentinel Island episode, does North Sentinel Island hide a, an alien artifact was the story on the conspiracy iceberg. And I concluded, concluded in air quotes, my theory was that maybe it's a time machine. And here's why. The end. I got called a racist for two weeks because of that story. I'm still getting called a racist because of that story. For saying that, oh, they don't, the anthropologists say that they, do, they don't know how to make fire. They have to keep lightning, lightning strikes and they keep the ember glowing for a while. There's an article that I read that I cited and the, oh, what, you racist, you don't think they know how to, don't know how to start fires, you're racist. I'm thinking, I don't know. That's what anthropologists are saying. I didn't observe them personally. I've been invited several times to go to the island and find out for myself so I can get shot. I mean, like, that's the implication. And then a couple of times people have, personally threatened my life on youtube but you know it happened north sentinel island i didn't expect it with the kevin spacey thing i didn't really didn't expect it i'll get stuff on the uh, mythanthropic satan worshiping order one i expect stuff like that some there are some episodes i put out there i expect pushback on but it's it's weird because it's never the episodes that i expect I'll do an episode about the death of Max Spears. And a couple of people are like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, of course, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of looking through articles and stuff like that. I'm not an expert. But then I put out the North Sentinel Island one and I get, what? You, they don't know what a pig looks like? I don't know. I, it's, a, it's a joke. I don't know if they know what a pig looks like. I can't interview them. They'll kill me. I don't respond to negative comments. But Forrest Finn, we've talked about this before. When I put the episode out on Forrest Finn, it was a throwaway story. It's what I call a starter story. Generally, the first epi- the first part of the episode, and there's not like throwaway in the sense as the story doesn't matter, but it's a generally a shorter story that's not going to get the headline of the of the of the episode. So I'll generally have a shorter story in the beginning and then a main story. Starter story, main story. Forrest Finn, I was like, oh, this guy says he's buried this treasure. At the end, I go, I don't think he did it. I think it's a hoax. I think he just wants people to know his life story. Let's talk about Shadow People. Shadow People Invasion was the main one of that one. Got a p- immediate pushback on that one. The fin- fanatics, is what they call themselves, came out of the woodwork. And I was like, holy, the, what the hell, dude? I didn't even know these people existed. It was a throwaway story. It was just a story to s- set up the, s- the episode. 
I should probably stop using the word throwaway, but I think you know what I mean. The following episode, I go, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. And at that time, I was like, I'll, I'll engage with some of these people. Not like, ha ha ha, prove me wrong, jerk. Like, I was like, I mean, this is just based on my opinion. But most of it was just overtly hostile. The next episode I did was the cult of Forest Finn, where I was like, these people are acting like a cult. These good people are acting like a cult. And it's crazy. And I released that episode for one of two reasons. One, to show people that not all cults are religious cults. And two, what was the second reason? Well, there was two reasons I remember when I recorded that one. Because I was thinking, I'm kind of like hitting the bee's nest. But I was like, one of them is that not all cults are religious cults. And the other one was, I don't know. I don't remember. It was was a legitimate reason. I wasn't just trying to drum up controversy. But it was... Just so bizarre. This weird subculture. Now, I released those two episodes back to back. And I started getting harassed on YouTube. And I'm like, it's par for the course. Whatever. For second episode, definitely. Just a ton of people. There's still a ton of downvoting and stuff like that. But this was back when I was on Podbean. So I made the switch over on my vacation. And I was like, you know, I need better stats. Which is true. Which is true. I needed better stats. But it was only partially the truth because what I learned the hard way was one of Forrest Finn, and it doesn't matter who it was, one of Forrest Finn's YouTube fans contacted Podbean and told Podbean they were about to be sued because I was about to be sued for libel and slander, which is impossible. It's one or the other. I mean, I guess if I had a magazine and a podcast, you could sue me for both, but I was going to be sued for libel and slander and Podbean was going to be named in a lawsuit and they better do something real fast. Now, Obviously, 100% not true. Nothing I said in those episodes were libelous or slanderous. It's slander if you say it. But nothing I said in those episodes were slanderous. Everything was my opinion. I would say stuff like, I believe that it's fake. I don't know. I think it is. But I think, I believe. Those are still things. If I said I have a secret document saying that Forrest Finn didn't build the treasure. I have these photos. That is slanderous. I know that he lied and these are like, that's the, I mean, it gets messy, but beyond the point, no, I'm not being sued for slander. The thing is, is that Podbean, I found out, has a clause in their terms of service saying you can't say anything disparaging about any person or brand ever. And so I didn't know that. I would never want with Podbean in the first place. So this guy sent an email, that was it. He sent an email to Podbean Podbean contacts me and says, hey, you have a complaint. You need to take care of this. And I contacted Podbean and go, this guy's a YouTube troll. I recognized it. I recognized his name. I go, this guy's a YouTube troll. He's been messing around with me and my listeners on YouTube. It's nothing. And they go, well, you got to contact him. I talk to my legal representative and I say, what do I do? And they're like, you got to contact him and we'll do what we need to do if this goes to the next step. Because we knew we weren't getting slandered or anything like that. I have a lawyer friend. So... I email him and I say, first off, you can't sue me on behalf of somebody else. Secondly, this is an out and out lie. So that's it. If you contact me again, I'll sue you. I mean, I like I said, I'm don't I'm not made of money at all, but I know people. So I'll get a nice discount on a payment plan if I have to. So got some papers drawn up just in case. Never contacted me back. I thought, Okay, that's done. That actually happened the day of my vacation, the start of my vacation. And so it wasn't much of a vacation because I'm having to deal with all this stuff. But he never contacts me back. 
And so then I contact Podbean and go, so that's it, right? No answer whatsoever. And I was like, well, I guess that's it then. They never contacted me back. And I was like, okay, well, that's done. It says not that I can't disparage anyone on their terms of service, but, you know, I don't know. Does that mean that a football podcast can't be like, what? Troy Aikman sucks. Because apparently this podcast takes place in the past. But And then could that podcast get taken down? Or if they say that, oh, you know, I hate Darren Aronofsky's movies. Did that podcast get taken down? Like, I thought that's a really limiting terms of service for a podcast. You can't disparage anybody. Because so, so many podcasts are like movie reviews and things like that. Or sports podcasts, or political podcasts, anything. But I was like, okay, we're done. Like, that was taken care of. About a week later, I got an email and they said, we're still reviewing your case. And once we figure it out, we'll let you know. Now, the penalty was them taking the whole podcast down every episode. Or suspending me for a couple days. And I would do neither. So, at first, when they said, you know, you got to deal with this guy, and I dealt with him, and I got, you know, all my legal paperwork drawn up and everything like that, because I was basically going to say, cease and desist, this guy's harassing me, and now he's coming here and harassing me. I thought, well, it's done. And then I get an email out of the blue from them saying, you know, we're still looking into this, and we'll get back to you. And I thought, no, you're not. You're not looking into this, because I'm going to leave. Libsyn is twice as much per month, and there is a limit to how much I can upload. But it is far more robust than their stats. And it's not in their terms of service that you can't disparage other people. Which is the way you would have to be if you were running a network like this. I don't know what Podbean was thinking to have that. I mean, it works for them, obviously. They are, you know, you know one of the bigger podcast providers. And if you're looking at doing a podcast and you don't have a lot of money and it's going to be relatively harmless, that's a good place to start. But I couldn't stick around. Because I knew, I was like, dude, every episode we do something where we, you know, piss off somebody. So I moved. I moved everything. I recorded episode 100 was the last episode on Podbean. I took snapshots of all my stats. It sucked because, you know, I liked looking at the growth of the show. And it was funny. I announced, I think on Monday or Tuesday of that week, that I'm moving to another uh, podcast provider. And then the next day, I got an ad by... Someone bought ad space on my podcast and I thought they're listening to the podcast and they heard me say that and they're trying to keep me there, which is a legitimate tactic. And I was like, well, you know, I just can't, I just can't follow these rules. It's just the, I mean, and again, it, it works for them. I'm not, I don't I have no ill will towards Podbean at all. I just, that the, the show can't work if I can't disparage someone because most of the show is me saying, I don't believe that. Which is really disparaging stuff. So, didn't end the show, obviously, but tried to. It was a there, and I, I, to be fair, I don't think the YouTube commenter knew that would happen. I don't think they set out to try to get the show taken off the air. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I think that if they knew that the end result could be that the entire show was wiped off of the Podbean, which I have backups and all that stuff, I don't think they knew that. Because they easily could have done it on YouTube as well. And they didn't. I think they were just being... I know, okay, I know how old the person is. I've had, I had to do a bunch of digging because I was getting ready to file legal paperwork. I know where the person, what state they reside in, the neighborhood, all that stuff. I'm not stalking them. It's a legal thing because you got to serve people. So I know the age and I know all that stuff. And it's, it's a, close to my age, but younger. 
So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think they knew that they could have nuked the show, but it's an interesting thing because I thought, I'm glad that this guy did it, and I learned then, because the chances of me, if I had continued on Podbean, crossing swords with someone who had a lot more money than that person and a lot more legal muscle, they could have just blinked the show out before I even had a chance to respond. They could have sent legal documents to Podbean saying, we know your terms and condition are this, and this person's breaking the terms and condition. Please terminate the show. So it was good that that happened then with that dude who didn't have any legal muscle or money. So, But now, because of that, we've had to, we, I've had to basically have, I don't want to necessarily say I have a legal team, but I have access to a legal team. I have to put money aside and all that stuff for legal and it sucks because it's not like I have a ton of money to begin with, but I have to now have money set aside for when that comes up. So it's good knowing people who can give you access to tools like that. I don't, you know, it's not like I have to have anyone on a retainer, but I have to have, if this makes sense, it's something ready to put somebody on a retainer. And I have to pay for some paperwork and stuff like that that I can now send out to people. But yeah, I think that's probably... It wasn't super stressful. It was just more irritating than anything. And I, I was more just like, ugh. you know, again, if I had gone with Libsyn from the beginning, it never would have been an issue. But Podbean has that in their terms of service and all that stuff. Again, I'm not telling you guys to go out and start trolling the forest, fin people or anything like that. So the highs and the lows of the story of Dead Rabbit Radio so far. The thing that inspired me to do this, this bonus episode, I kind of had it in the back of my mind. Despite all of the craziness that has surrounded my Kevin Spacey video just today, I average about 10 new subscribers on YouTube every day. Yesterday I had 23 subscribers. Today I had 54 new subscribers. The show's growing. I really feel that we're very soon going to meet the tipping point, and it's just all gravy from there. But I want to thank all of you people, whether you just discovered the show or you've been listening since episode one. I want to thank you guys for being on this journey with me. Again, it's meant a lot to me. It really has. It's given me something to do every day. If I'm not recording, I'm researching. If I'm not researching, I'm interacting with you guys. It is an amazing journey. I'm so glad you're there. If you're still listening to this episode, I thank you. I hope it was entertaining. I have to edit it. And if it's not entertaining, then I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just blink it out of existence. But um, I really do appreciate you guys being here. I wish you guys the best new year possible. Be safe, have fun, and never, ever stop uh, doing stuff. I was trying, I was, I was funny. I was thinking, do I say something profound or do I say something funny? And I just kind of petered out on both. Well, that's it for this episode. I am going to um, drink a soda and start editing this. I I hate to say that my life isn't more exciting than that, but I'm going to go ahead and edit this and get it out there. My name is Jason Carpenter, and this is the 14th Family Podcast. If you are hearing a theme song or a song playing right now, that may be the theme song. I don't know. Maybe. I might have random songs. I don't know. It's probably like slowly raising as my voice is fading out if I'm doing it right. If not, there's just, it's like way louder than it needs to be. And I don't have a catchphrase to say goodbye. 
So maybe that'll be my catchphrase to say goodbye. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll be on this journey together.